Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. We talked back in 2019 about his book on Stephen Port. The title of that book is The Grinder Serial Killer, The True Story of Stephen Port. An excellent book that I read. But today we're going to talk about his recent publication titled Leopold and Loeb, The Murder of Bobby Franks. And this uh, book is part of a series on killer queens, but he's Alan's published many books and has been very busy. So he had some recent publications. One is Doomsday Colts, The Devil's Hostages. Also Hannibal the Cannibal, The True Story of Robert Maudsley. Uh, those are both 2020. Also The Killing Game, True Story of Rodney Alcala, 2018. Um, Deadly Betrayal, The True Story of Jennifer Pan, Daughter from Hell, and many other titles. So you can check out all those titles on Amazon. And he is also the host and producer of the popular NBC news talk radio show titled House of Mystery, which reviews true crime, history, science, religion, paranormal mysteries that we live with every day. And it's from a darker comedic logical perspective. He's interviewed guests such as Robert Kennedy Jr., F. Lee Bailey, Aphrodite Jones, Marsha Clark, Nancy Grace, Dan Abrams, and Jesse Ventura. The show is based in Seattle on KKNW. 11.50 a.m. and syndicated on the NBC network throughout the United States, including on KCAA 106.5 FM, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Riverside, Palm Springs, as well, in, as well as in Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona. And Alan's website is alanrwarren.com. But again, we're going to talk about this book. I'd heard about this case, but he goes into great detail about it. So it's really a fascinating book. Again, the title of the book is Leopold and Loeb, Murder of Bobby, Bobby Frank. So Alan R. Warren, Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming back. For people who didn't hear our earlier interview, may not have known your background. Is there? Uh, can you add to what I talked about? Some of the books you've written. You've been busy recently, and then what led you to write this book, Leopold and Loeb? Yeah, I'm always. I, I've always got cases going on. I think I probably had this one and the Butcher of Hanover a couple of years ago when I was doing. Um, the grinder serial killer and um it just takes a while to get the the documents or the items or get a hold of people that have information that you need to use so that's why you know i've got things going um so yeah though both those books are out the butcher just came out as well gotcha. um so yeah i've got that and i've got a paranormal book coming up which i'm just finishing off as well do you have a title so, for that uh, it's just going to be the paranormal, paranormal interviews, gotcha. I believe that's all it's going to be called. And it's just kind of covering all basis, uh, of the paranormal that I've come across in the last, let's say 20 years. Gotcha. And that's also from your interviews on your show. Is that correct? Yeah. That's that primary, the interviews on the show. And a few of them, it's a few extras where I've got interviews that were not live, but, uh, part of, uh, I, I made part of the book. Gotcha. And so that's coming out soon. So you have this other one, Butcher of Hanover, Fritz Harmon. I mean, can you talk about kind of the, the background of this story? It was the crime of the century, right? The Leo, Leopold and Loeb crime. Can you talk a little bit about these characters and their background? Yeah, it became kind of the crime of the century. They were both um, from, you know, well-to-do families. Uh, one of them was the Sears family, you know. Uh, so there, there was some good... Um, they were in a good position. They were well-educated. They were both smart. Um, Leopold's probably smarter or better, let's say, better at uh, 
attending school and learning and applying himself, uh, Loeb tend to be a little bit um, freer and uh, didn't care as much about his education. Uh, that, that's kind of how I would see it because he would uh, uh, miss a lot of classes and he would uh, go out and party. And he, so he didn't really, he wasn't as regimented, you might say. Gotcha. Um, but both, both, guy, both kids were, uh, you know, well off, smart, um, healthy and active. And they um, kind of had a uh, weird relationship because um, uh, they sort of, were together as a couple, but not really. And I, it, that's a really difficult thing to say. They were they were lovers, but not in a typical fashion that you would see um, in a couple. Like um, <laughs> uh, Leopold was fascinated with Loeb and and wanted to be in a relationship with him, um, but Loeb would go out with females and tended not to be interested in a relationship according to himself. Um, but yet he would get involved in it uh, if he could get Leopold to do different things for him. So it was a really unusual situation. So I, I found that to be something I uh, wanted to pursue. And that's sort of, um, and even the Fritz Harmon book, both of them had unusual relationships that I don't blame on the crimes per se, but uh, they're part of the reason why the crimes were committed. Right. And you, would you agree, because in my kind of knowledge of Leopold and Loeb, the kind of homosexual angle wasn't usually talked about in the past. Would you agree with that? Or is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of, I, I try to make sure people emphasize that in, in forwards and by, by prefaces that um, I think that it's important to realize that in the twenties, first of all, you would not look of, uh, you know, homosexuality was illegal. It was, it was a crime and it was thought of very negatively. Um, and so at that time, you wouldn't even consider being in a relationship as we would call it, like you don't, it, it was something that was kind of um, hidden and considered dirty and dark. So it's not something like you didn't go out to a place and date or go for dinner and you wouldn't plan out this. So a relationship. So it wasn't in your mind that when you went and had sex with another man, you weren't sitting there going, well, maybe, you know, you weren't thinking of love or you weren't thinking of it just, there was no construct. There was no such thing as that. There's no so, such thing as like being out or anything like that. And it was considered psychologically aberrant. So they could put you in an institution, right? If, oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. It was, it depending on, you know, what part of the country you were in and, and what you had done, but uh, you'd either end up in jail or, or you could end up in a, in a, in a ward mental institute or even even castrate it in some cases wow, so right. so it was just not an acceptable it was just considered an illegal bad behavior and it was something that um, shouldn't be done and so with that in mind in society you as 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 two gay men you would not think that you would end up together per se so this also might be why Loeb continued to see to see women and and would date females and and all of that uh, in his life, right? So they had kind of an they yeah on different sensibilities and 
there was one was very much influenced by Nietzsche. Can you talk about that influence and how it influenced their relationship? Yeah, Leopold really bought brought uh, Nietzsche in, and, and Nietzscheism is just kind of a who how do how how do you say it uh, without getting too detailed? It's it's really kind of a a philosophy um, by a philosopher um, named Nietzsche that um, kind of considered. Um, you know, above people, uh, you were uh, different. Hmm. There he was believed, different. He believed in the idea of the Superman, right? So you're above right. all that. And yeah, you were an overman. You were sort of a, a premier. Uh, you know, the Nazis really grabbed a hold of this philosophy. It became quite popular in Nazism as, as kind of a basis when Nietzsche was out presenting his ideas originally. And they uh, it, it wasn't a popular subject. He wasn't a popular philosopher. It wasn't until the Nazism came in that they kind of grabbed it and it kind of, they went with that. But the idea of you were a superior being, you were, and so being that, that overman or superior being, you would, um, you would not or could not be held accountable for things you did to people that were not of that same quality, let's say. So, you know, you're, you're, this this superman so to speak and you do something to someone that isn't it's it's like almost like uh i don't want to say hurting an animal but in the mindset it's like you're you're sort of doing something to someone that doesn't really it doesn't really matter right so and that mentality was there in their relationships and they had kind of a slave master sensibility right wasn't leopold kind of in his ideation wanting to be somebody's kind of Want to be dominated? You yeah, that? you know, and that was well, that was considered in 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 some of the psych reports at the time. Um, they considered him to be a person that was, you know, he had this fantasy of serving a king or uh, an overlord or somebody that was important, and he wanted to be very important to that person. He wanted to be the the, the servant or you say the slave, and he had that, and that was thrown around a lot. But I also say, and I hope I hope people pick this out, that Leopold eventually became the person that was kind of controlling and setting up a lot of the situation. And and I've had I know I've already had backlash on this and so a few issues with some people about this. But but the reality was he was starting to set up what they did, when they did it, and where they where they did it. You know, it was like he would he he was conducting their relationship so almost he knew what he was getting out of it so he would set it up so to speak right and they were kind of petty before this event happened the big event they were kind of petty burglars doing adventures kind of illegal adventures together right stealing stuff and things like that yeah Loeb had this fantasy and 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 again it's talked about in some of his psychs uh, psych reports about what this was was but in in essence he really wanted to um he wanted to commit crimes he wanted to do things that were were bad and he did and they were small you're right it was petty petty thieving and stealing and and small fires and uh, uh just mischief um and nothing of 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 large you know magnitude here it was just 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 a mischief sort of thing and he was turned on by it he was turned on by, by doing it. And so um, eventually, you know, they were doing these small things together. And um, Leopold 
was offered a chance to have sex with Loeb every time they did this. And the bigger the the crime, so to speak, or the more of a, a turn on for Loeb that w this crime was, uh, the better and the more, yeah, I don't know what to say, the, the better or the bigger the amount of sex that would, they would have. <laughs> and that was kind of what was offered to him. So it was in trade. And um, so they both were fulfilling a fantasy by doing these crimes. Right. So it was like building up to something that, and they were, um, I got the right. One was Loeb was the one whose dad was the vice president of Sears Roebuck, which at the time was very well off, you know, so they're both very rich, very intelligent. I think they both graduated from high school early. People were saying, I think Leopold was set to be a Supreme court justice or something like that. Like, well, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's predictable. I mean, he was in with the in crowd. They were in with the well-to-do, the the upper echelon of society, both of them. So they were both set to have a, a, a good career in whatever they chose. And Leopold had already been writing documents. And and so, yeah, that's what I said. He was more disciplined. Loeb was, didn't take it as serious. He was smart. He had the money and he had the, the ability but a lot of times he squandered it. He didn't. He, he wasn't disciplined in his behavior, so it didn't show as well. But they po both probably would have done really well in life if they hadn't gone down this path. Right. So they started like having these fantasies. They ended up at what the University of Michigan. That's where they kind of started plotting this whole thing. Right. Nineteen twenty something like that. Yeah. They they started putting it together. Um, Again, it was kind of, uh, it's debatable. I have conversations from both sides uh, on who did what and, and who thought of things. But I, I would say Loeb was probably the one, you know, putting together this scheme. You see, because like anything, when we when we do something and... and um, and it gives you a thrill, then you want to do it again, and then you want to do more of it and something bigger. And this is the same sort of thing that they were doing. So eventually uh, theft and burglary and and small fires and stuff were, were, were not enough of a thrill for Loeb. So he wanted to go further, and he wanted to plan what he considered to be the perfect crime or murder. And so that was kind of his idea. So he was doing a lot of plotting that way. Uh, Leopold was very bored with this. He knew that this was going to give him what he wanted, the ultimate pleasure of having a sexual relation with Leo. Leo. But he, he found it very tedious and very boring. And he uh, would go along with it. But after a while, you start to see he was just kind of like, oh, geez, you know. So he that's why I said he started actually initiating things. He actually started kind of creating events that they were going to do so that he could get it to move along. So it was kind of the perfect combination with the two of them. So, yeah, they're, so they're kind of playing off of each other. And how did, how does this crime kind of develop and what happens next? Well, the idea was to 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 kill someone, and um, it didn't matter who. Um, this is another very important part of this case, is because when you um, quite often when you look at murders and there's uh, sexual behavior, let's say, like especially when it was homosexuality back then, or even in right up into the seventies, eighties, even now, people will automatically associate it as a sexual crime. 
there was a sexual reason or if 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 not that then it's a personal reason right these people um there there was no they didn't care who it was um and they didn't want to have sex with the body they they didn't have an intention to get someone who they didn't like or it is there it wasn't a typical style of murder it was just the fact that they wanted to do it and uh, they would both get something out of it so um, the idea was to find someone and to kill them that was the the basic plot right and so it's set in this kind of thing where they're wealthy they're intelligent they're oh one of them has this nietzschean idea which is kind of strange because i think they're both jewish so oh, yeah right. yeah they're both jewish not only that leopold had this uh a real like for hitler you know when hitler was placed in prison for the coup attempt oh, what was that in the 1920 i believe for five years he was really upset with this um this really bothered him and we see that in some of his writings and some of it. So he actually, it's its strange to think that he was involved in sort of supporting that kind of concept. Meanwhile, he was Jewish and gay. Yeah, really strange. And so they, and they also, um, they, I think you wrote in your book, like they were going through a selection process. And I think one of them selected one of their siblings, like it could, he could have been a victim, right? Yeah, there was a few, but it it just wasn't going to be right um, because they they wanted to, at the same time, make some cash out of this, and they wanted it to be especially Loeb. He really wanted it to be something that made the headlines. He wanted it to be talked about all across the country or even the world. So it had to be someone. It couldn't have been the family members. It it it, it, it wasn't going to work out that way. Right. So there, there was, so they really plotted it. They wanted to get the rant, some ransom money for some, from somebody. So they really thought that they had a foolproof plan. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. In their mind, they did. And you know, for, for a lot of it, a lot of it probably was fairly solid in their planning. Uh, It's just, it's just a, like anything, but you're dealing with humans, there's going to be mistakes made and you're also dealing in the public. So you never know who's where and what and when things are going to be found. And there was a lot of variables that they left open, but it was a very good plan. And so what what did they do? I mean, what happened? It was, I think the day Bobby Franks was May 21st, 1924 is when the murder took place, right? Yeah, the they... Right. And so they um, went out looking. Um, The idea was to, you know, so they rented a car and paid cash for it. Um, And uh, so that they wouldn't use one of their own cars, you know, that type of thing, which is smart. Uh, And that's very detailed because they would, um, back then they would go to the uh, car rental place and they were setting up under a fake name, um, some sort of... um, you might say credit because back then there was no credit cards. What you did was you would you would have a, a residence and then you would uh, rent something in cash and then you would set up uh, letters being sent to you and all this. It's just sort of some sort of references for you. And so they, they kind of did this and it explains that kind of in the book. So it was thought out well and it was a good idea. But again, there were some mistakes made 
or uh, things they didn't plan on. I guess that's probably the best way. Um, so yeah, they went out cruising in this rented car and they, they looked for hours and they just couldn't, they weren't finding the right person. You know, they, they, they were, um, yeah. So they, it took them a couple of hours and eventually, uh, when they were watching a baseball game, um, they saw, uh, Bobby Franks walking away from it. I mean, the game was over and he was walking by himself and he was, um, umpire there, I believe at the game. And so they went out, uh, and so they cruised him a few times, eventually stopped, talked to him. And, uh, Franks knew who, what, uh, who, who they were. He knew they, or they knew Leob knew him. They, they had, they had been neighbors there. They weren't too, lived too far away. And some of the parents and uncles and aunts had played tennis. And there's some story that they were, they were cousins and stuff, but legally they were not cousins that that's all over the place, but they considered themselves cousins. It's like, kind of like best, best friend parents that have kids, you know? So anyway, they uh, got him to get into the car. Eventually I kind of go through all that, take him for a ride. And um, then they kill him. Um, They kill him and dump him in a culvert. Um, One of the, one of the kind of unusual things was that uh, they poured acid on his genitals and on his face uh, and hands, trying to make the body unrecognizable, I guess, to make it harder to identify them, you know, and to identify the body. Right. So they're definitely thinking about it, trying to cover it up. It's a random crime. It binds them together. They get a charge out of it. So it's a... Yeah, it worked. It worked. Actually, it was was a thrill. Um, you know, when they, it, 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 it talked about the, their sexual relationship that, and after it, they were thrilled by it. They couldn't be more excited, especially Leob, which made Leopold excited because he was going to get to have sex with them. It's kind of crazy how, how um, far they would go just to fulfill their own pleasure, so to speak, not really be concerned about taking a boy's life. Um so it's kind of kind of crazy, but you see that. So they did plan it all out, but again, you 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 know, it falls apart because uh, someone found the body faster than they wanted them to be found, right? And and that caused a problem. Um, so and then um, then he, he, they were spotted as well. The plan about uh, having the father throw the the ransom off the train. Um, so there was a, there was mistakes made, and they eventually got caught. Right. What wasn't their idea was that they they sent a letter under a fake name to somebody, right? A ransom note under a fake name, and you'll get your boy back if you send twelve thousand bucks, which was a lot of money back then, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. They that's what I mean. They used the whole fake name, and they called, talked to the mother, and and they they had it all worked out, and the details are in there, and it's very, very well. Like I said, they they really thought about this. It wasn't, but the mistake was again. The body was found that same evening, which was way too soon, and and then they identified him quicker than they wanted and uh, the ransom money too, you know, so there was, there was all these little mistakes um, or happenstance, I guess, things that just happened that um, they didn't plan Uh, because it's really hard to plan out other humans behaviors around this. 
Right. So their so-called foolproof plan fell apart. What happened next? Well, you know, eventually after questioning and, and uh, you know, the thing is too, when the one thing that they did was when they found the body, uh, the person that found the body also found a pair of glasses and uh, turned it into the police and they eventually traced it um, to um, I believe that was Leopold. Um, and the thing is, because because they were in a wealthy circumstance, they, these were wealthy frames. There was only like three pairs made and they, they tracked it down to who owned them. So it was his. And then he admitted to owning them. The other thing was the ransom letter was written with a particular typewriter, which also was traced. So when they were kind of confronted with the evidence that they had, they both confessed. So they, they both, uh, both confession letters are retyped in there from the original document so people can see what they actually confessed to. Um, so there you have it. So then they get arrested and uh, the trial begins. Right. But be, those confessions are very detailed. What did you find interesting in each of their individual confessions? I think probably the, 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 the most interesting thing about that is, is the way they handle being interrogated and the way that they confessed you can actually really pick up their personalities and their feelings like you could really tell uh who had any sort of emotion toward what they had emotion to it was it's really unusual so when you read it you can actually um tell who leopold is as a person and you can tell who Loeb is like it just it, they didn't really hide much about themselves um they did tend to kind of blame the other person each other on certain things of the crime you know so that's that's kind of i guess typical when two people get caught right the blame shifting is, is uh known and then minim minimizing yeah. guilt is actually all very common in those yeah so so it that's that part of it's not unusual but um i i hope that i put enough of their own conversation and thoughts in that when you read this you can sort of compare them and understand that that who each person was i think it just i think um they come across very very much themselves um, there's an arrogance to how they confess and how they talk about it, especially Leopold. Right. There's an arrogance there. And then they had like a, they did both got psychologically evaluated. Can you talk about their psychological evaluations? Yeah. With the, with the psych evaluations, I think that it's, um, you, first of all, we have to remember that um, back then, um, alienists, as they, as they were called, and, and the psychological um time of the world was fairly primitive it was fairly new and there were still a lot of people like even in the courts and judges and people that sort of didn't take it as serious as as it is now like now it's it's all important you know when they do these reports but back then it was kind of a yeah okay maybe maybe not you know it was back and forth and some people made fun of psychological you know alienists and stuff like this but this this drew a lot uh, they had a really strong defense attorney you know clarence darrow darrow who you know the scopes trial and stuff so he'll he'll live in infamy but so when he did this he was a very uh 
um, expression. He had he had a very I don't know how he called. He was just very I don't want to say charismatic, but he was the lawyer was very out there. Like he would run, jump, cry, scream. He did it all. He was like a, a stage performer, and um, he even had. Um, Oh, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. He even had one of the, some of the, he, he had the best in psychological uh, testers come out, um, you know, to, to make his case for his clients. So um, anyway, so that was, but uh, yeah, what Sigmund Freud was the one. Oh, wow. And so Sigmund Freud's there and then Scopes is one year after this trial. And this is a huge yeah. public event right it's press all over the place oh this this was huge that you know hundreds of people outside every day and they even clear had to clear the 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 courthouse a few times it was i put in a lot of the things that are kind of crazy that were going on around the trial and uh kind of how people were acting and reacting and stuff because i think it's really important to see um the hysteria that was caused by this and when you go through the papers from then too in the 20s it's hilarious because there was like 20 30 articles in every single paper and you'd have to go through every page because there was so much stuff and talk talk about this and uh you know whether they should broadcast the trial live on the radio and in on wgn radio and and they had a poll going in the in the chicago uh, newspaper at the time it was just it was just uh i guess it kind of is on the equivalent of some of our big trials that we have these days you know with gavel to gavel watching you know and stuff like that right. it's, probably, it's probably much the same it feels contemporary the case yeah. feels like a contemporary case like oh totally is. it was so it was salacious in every way you know you had everything going on in this and it was it was the evil and you gotta and another and i hope i got this across and i don't know if i did enough but you know you gotta remember with the prohibition going on in the in the 20s that there was this real conservative and there was this real polarizing sort of like today where there's this huge real strong conservative like no more drinking and religion and you got it start and then a real uh backlash where you have all the young people going around having petting parties you know and and drinking and wearing weird dresses and women smoking and cutting their hair short like it was all this controversy it was just this big thing going on and then they outlawed alcohol and and yet the rich people were still able to drink like it was just kind of it was a really crazy thing going on in the 20s you know that was the roaring 20s it really was there was definitely a pull push and pull you know yeah and that that's very important to think about that at the time because then when you had people outside at the trial why there was a lot of fights going on outside was because you had the two types of thoughts going on. You had the type of, you, you know, it's this behavior, this sinful homosexuality that leads to killing people. It's because they're gay that they kill people and and sinners and, and all this. And you had that huge push. And then you had, of course, the young people kind of going, oh, you're crazy, right? You have this, this real, um, not a lot of conversation going on, just a lot of yelling. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, a really fascinating case. Is there anything before we wrap this up? Where's the, uh, can you, is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap it up? Well, I think one of the curious things was <clears throat> later in, in some of the newspapers, I found the article about the chisel bandit and it happened before this crime. And uh, you see, it's important to realize that how he, 
how he uh, Loeb killed the boy was they had a chisel that was kind of had a handle wrapped on it. And um, so that he could hit them on, hit the, his victim on the head type thing, kill him, but not cause a whole lot of damage or blood. And so uh, before this crime happened in the parks where they were, there was two guys going around uh, killing people with a chisel or attempting to. And um, the, the prosecutor at the time was, uh, according to the newspapers, were, was saying that he thought it was these two kind of working out their, their plots, working out how they could catch someone and kill them or, you know, and, or knock them out without uh, the blood and all that. So, so that they were experimenting with the chisel. So I also put that in, in the end, because I found that to be really fascinating. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of other strange things around this case. I mean, the, just the fact that Clarence Darrow, Darrow was involved in this too, Freud and all these other people, like there's real psychological depth in this, in how these people thought that, you know. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now I did also <clears throat> mention in this because on the other book with Fritz there in, in Berlin, it was the same time, the same type, same kind of murders in a situation um, with homosexuals involved. And, in Berlin, they had a uh, institute of sexuality, and they would give um, people passes so you could be a transsexual, transvestite, and you wouldn't get arrested. And so there became all these big gay cabarets, and it was all the talk of the town. It was really popular, so it was quite the, the quite the opposite of what was going on in Chicago at the same time. But what ties them is one of the doctors in that institute went to Chicago and started the first uh, gay protection group hmm. and and it was was involved in this to an extent but of course they didn't have the same feeling in chicago as they did in berlin like it wasn't a, a party atmosphere for them and and uh, gay and gay sex and all that was still awful and and a crime and put them in jail it was still very very disliked in Chicago, whereas in Berlin, it was kind of a festive thing. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So it was still furtive in the States, but in Berlin, more. It, it, was, a, it was a party. It was, it's crazy because the atmosphere was so different. Everybody in, in, in across the country were, were going to see these drag shows and going to these gay clubs because it was fascinating and they loved it. It was like uh, the stars all went. Everybody that was everyone was going. It was kind of like in fashion. And meanwhile, in the Chicago, it's completely opposite. So the books go together in that sense because it shows you the different atmospheres in each city's society and how it gets treated in the law. Like it's kind of, it's interesting because it's the exact same time period. Right. That is interesting. And how do you, um, what's the best place or best means to obtain this book, Leopold and Loeb? Well, you know, um, right, uh, right now it's on Amazon and it's in, uh, it's in paperback, hardcover now and ebook. And so is the other book. They're both out and they're both, uh, going to be available in stores. It's, it's already put through, uh, with, um, with Ingram Sparks, so it will be available in all stores. It just it got Amazon first. Gotcha. Congratulations. And the best way to contact you if somebody wants to reach out is www.alanrwarren.com, correct? 
Yeah, for sure. The website's always the best because it has all of the social media, has the radio show, it has all the books, it has everything to do with uh, that. If it has anything to do with me, it's on there. Right. So you have all your other books, which I did not listen list. There are many, like uh, two or three pages on Amazon alone. So there's tons of authorship there, tons of books yeah. you can look into true crime. And, and then you have a new paranormal book coming out soon, right? Yeah, the paranormal book should be out. Um, well, uh, before Christmas, it should be out. It's in edit process. So if all things go well, it should be out within two weeks. Excellent. Well, that would make a good Christmas present for somebody out there. They can go check it out. Again, the author's name is Alan R. Warren. Title of the book is Leopold and Loeb, Murder of Bobby Franks. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Right, take care. Stay there. Stay there. All right, cool. So 